Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Coops. I'm your host. And today I'm very pleased to bring you a, a special guest, uh, Wayne Stinnett. Uh, welcome to the show, Wayne. Thank you for having me, Nathan. Uh, hello, everybody. If anybody's there. <laughs> <laughs> if not, they will be. So, um, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your day to come and hang out with us a little bit and talk to us about your books. I'm really excited about this because you write in a really fun genre. Um, you've got adventure fiction going on. You've got some thrillers, especially like um, some sea adventures. Uh, you've got a really cool hero. And um, Can you tell people a little bit about your uh, Caribbean adventure series you have going on? Well, it, it spans a long time. Uh, the first book starts out, well, there's 11 years go by between the first and the most recent book, uh, Rising Charity. And during that time, the character has developed, uh, his world has developed, his world is bo boats, by the way. He started out with just one boat, and now he's got seven or eight, I'm not sure. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He's, he, boats are tools. You have a different tool for a different job. Yeah. And that's the way he looks at it. He's got a tournament fishing boat. He's got a a reef fishing boat. He's got flats boats, and you know, just whatever the job requires, he's got the boat to do it. And he always finds trouble wherever he uh, goes in his boats. <laughs> it seems seems like um, when I read your I read your bio, uh, of course, on your website, and sort of checked out um, some of the the backstory uh, on you, and also, of course, I've read some of the intros on your background for Jesse, and it seems like you two have a lot in common. Uh, you're a Marine, of course, uh, as, as is Jesse, and of course he had you know, some similar you know, ups and downs with, with uh, marriage and, and things like that, and then he decides to depart for the Keys and go, go uh, take it easy down there. Um, so Yeah, I was, in fact, I was just talking to my, my editor 10 minutes before we got on, on Skype here, and she was asking me, are you Jesse? Because a couple <laughs> of times in her editing, she... She wrote, you said, and then she had to back up and say, Jesse said. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Jesse and I are exactly the same person, only he's six foot three, got a full head of hair and muscles and young. Yeah. But uh, other than that, we're exactly the same guy. <laughs> it seems like that's often the case where we, you know, write the adventure story, we create the hero who's just a slightly more heroic version of ourselves, you know, and it's going to tell that, that story. But it sounds like you've had a pretty interesting real life yourself um i was looking at some of your your background you've been of course been a diver in addition to being a marine but you've also been a, a diver you were um you know you've worked as a, a mate on on various boats and you've you've all even had a, a career as a, a truck driver a commercial truck driving is that right yeah the last 13 years before i became unemployed i guess <laughs> I, I was a uh, over the road truck driver hauling mostly uh, over dimensional freight over length over width over height overweight okay uh, sometimes all at once yeah and uh it was it was a very stressful job i mean just being gone for two weeks and then come home for two days trying right. to raise a family doing that that's it's it wasn't working yeah but uh, the money was pretty good and i had because oversized move oversized loads can only move during daylight hours mm -hmm. in the winter time i'd have 14 hours and mm. i only sleep five hours Mm. So that's that's when I started writing. Yeah, because you have a lot of time to think on the road, of course. But then you've also then you have yeah. the time to write at night. Um, had a little tape recorder. If I get an idea while I'm driving, I just record it, and, and then at night I've got 
you know, five or six hours that I could just sit there with nothing to do. I've got a laptop computer and no internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of I start perfect. making up stories. You're isolated. You got your own little cab just to work in. You got a private space. It's kind of a writer's dream, honestly, a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like a little writer's retreat that drives 600 miles every day. Yeah, it's a it's a portable writing cabin. I like it. Um, and you and I started around uh, similar times. I want to say, did your first book come out in 2013? Is that correct? Yeah, October okay, 2013. But within you know a year or so, you were hanging up the keys and saying. Sayonara to the road and and come oh, it wasn't time a year. It was, yeah. uh, I started writing in. I started seriously writing my first novel in July of 2013. Mm-hmm. Published it in October of 2013. Planned to quit my job on July 1st. Actually, July 4th. It was going to be Independence Day. But yeah. uh, the boss pushed a couple of buttons when I came in on the yard one day in May 14th, 2014. So. Uh, six months after publishing my first book, I quit my job. That, that's phenomenal. But you did have I, like, multiple books out, I do not out, recommend right? that. Have some money <laughs> saved up if you're going to do that. Yeah. You didn't have anything. We were eating ramen noodles a couple of times. You took the flying leap, huh? Did um, How many books did you put out during that time period? Was, was it multiple books out, though, in that time period? The first one, first one was released in October, the second one in December, the third one in April of 2014. Mm-hmm. And I was almost done with the fourth novel, which was a prequel to the first three. Right. It's now the first book in the series. Yeah. And I was almost done with it, and those first three books had already replaced my truck driving income. Yeah. Which but it was is, still two months from getting the money. You know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. And that is a phenomenal story. Like, um, you know, you were years ahead of the, the, kind of the kind of the common wisdom of this rapid release idea, but you were writing fast. And putting stuff out, you know, to, to a, a ravenous market, it seemed like. And um, well, nobody told me you shouldn't do that. <laughs> I, I had a lot of time on my hands, so I wrote. Yeah, it took ten weeks to write uh, the second book, and it's the longest one at one hundred and three thousand words. Okay, yeah, well, that's a substantial book, but to be able to put pump that out in in, in ten weeks, that's pretty fast writing. Um, do you still keep up that kind of a pace with your writing, or have no. you eased off a bit? No, it's, that would be impossible today. Uh, once, once you quit your job and writing becomes your your job and your occupation, uh, you got bills to pay. I've got this office here. It's, this is fourteen hundred dollars a month. I've got a boat that I got to pay for, a truck I got to pay for, a house mm-hmm. I got to pay for, mm-hmm. and so it becomes a major business. And mm-hmm. I still spend the same amount of time writing, two or three hours a day. Yeah. But now I'm the rest of my day, a good 10 or 12 hours of it, is filled with the business of writing. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you can't do one without the other and be a self-published author. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll talk about the business side of things in a few minutes here. But I want to um, touch a little bit more on this particular character of Jesse, your hero, and kind of how you... Uh, first off, how'd you come up with the name? I always wonder about when people come up with an action hero, like it's so iconic. Like you, a, one of these action heroes sort of has to have a very substantial name that carries the series. Where'd you come up with the name? I don't even, I don't even remember. No? Jesse McDermott was a fictional character in a bunch of short stories I wrote back in the 80s when I was okay. fresh out of the Marine Corps. Of course, Jesse was fresh out of the Marine Corps at the time. Yep. And, uh, he, he moved to the Keys. I moved to the Keys. So it was basically, I was just, Telling you know wild fantasy stories about li- living in the Keys when the reality was I 
I slept on a boat, and then I worked 12 hours a day as a taxi driver. Mm. But Jesse had he had money, so yeah. but that those short stories never went anywhere. And then I went on with life. I had kids and responsibilities, and finally took up writing again when my wife found the. Uh, my divorce papers from my first wife in an old briefcase in the garage when we cleaned out the garage. And on the back of it, I'd handwritten a whole chapter, <laughs> a short story. And she was reading the back of it. Uh, and she said, you know, this, this isn't bad. You, you could probably do this. And a couple other people encouraged me to, to take up the pen, well, in this case, the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And long story short, I wrote a book in about four months based on those short stories. And Jesse became, instead of fresh out of the Marine Corps after four years, he's just retiring from the Marine Corps after 20 years. And uh, it's just, uh, I just wrote the experiences that I had after the Marine Corps as I worked as a dive master and a deckhand and several other odd jobs and worked in heating and air conditioning for a long time and worked uh, in the Caribbean on different islands and uh, in truck driving. But... The writing, the storytelling has always been the big, biggest part of my life. Ever since I was a kid, I used to, I was, I was that nerd that walked around with a pad and a paper writing stuff down while everybody else was playing football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's but really that's, cool. That's where Jesse came from. He was the imagination of a 20 something young man. Uh, I have, I can't even remember where the name came from. Hmm. And it's interesting that, you know, you probably didn't suspect throughout your life that you were crafting a, a backstory for, you know, the, uh, a literary hero, but um, it seems like you've pretty much nailed this genre. Because um, I mean, if you look at a lot of action heroes in you know this type of genre fiction, they you know are frequently former military. They're um, frequently having these sort of man's man jobs. You know, like you know working on boats, working on um, you know cars and trucks, and all the things that that kind of guys love to, to fantasize about. You know, as far as their their lifestyle. He's just a regular guy. Yeah. Who's in, who encounters irregular situations? Yeah, yeah. And he has the specific training and background, even though he's not in that occupation anymore. In the Marine Corps, he was a sniper instructor. Okay. So he must have been a pretty good shot. Uh, but he 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 doesn't go out of his way to look for trouble. But when trouble comes, he's got the training and background to meet it head on and overpower. And I think it's interesting. Your choice of setting is, of course, a lot of fun. Um, you, you chose the, the keys as a, as a fundamental location in your series, and it sounds like I mean you you lived down there a little bit yourself. Like, what was your um, history with the keys and your love of, of that uh, area that kind of made you choose that as your setting? I, I grew up on the east coast of Florida, in a little town called Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a little bit south of Cape Kennedy, and. Uh, about, I don't know, I guess as soon as I got my license, I was headed south and eventually found the Keys when I was about 17 or 18 years old. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, beautiful place back then. It's, it's grown up a lot now. It's a whole lot different than it was then. It was a very free-spirited lifestyle then. I was quite well regimented. Mm. But when I, after my second divorce, I moved down there and bought a boat, or after my first divorce, no second divorce. I get confused about that. <laughs> but, uh, after I got divorced, I went and bought a boat down in the Keys from a friend of mine and uh, lived on it for a little over a year. Uh, drove drove a taxi during during the night. Started my shift at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. and finished at 6 a.m. And then on weekends, I was a dive master for uh, 
Captain Hook's uh, dive resort. But uh, I had a lot of free time even then. And, and mm -hmm. all my life, I've always carried those notebooks that I had mm -hmm. as a kid. And they, you know, they eventually developed into you know, digital recorders, but same thing. And I always, whenever I see something interesting, like, I mean, we could be talking right now and a boat could go by out there on the ICW and something happened and I'm going to pick up a pen. You can count on it. I'm going to pick mm -hmm. up a pen and write it down. Yeah. You pick up all these little things through life and if you remember them or you record them like I did, they become fodder for fiction. Lots and lots of all my my characters are all based on real people and real incidents. Yeah, and that's the fun part about it. Yeah, you get paid to tell stories about stuff that really happened. <laughs> and I'm sure that that resonates with your readers because you have a, a very loyal readership. You've got you know tons of great reviews on your series, and you're uh, now about to be you know 14 books deep in this adventure series. Um, in this series, the yeah. series has four books. Okay, spent off of the first. Okay, so I understand you've got the um, the Fallen series, but then you've also got the 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 Rising book or the Charity books. Like, how how are your different series differentiated? Uh, it's the Jesse McDermott Caribbean Adventure series and okay. the Charity Styles Caribbean Thriller series. Charity Styles, okay. Uh, the fact that the first ten titles start with the word Fallen mm -hmm. means that eventually you're going to run out of words that you could put with. That. <laughs> I switched over to Rising, but it's yeah. Rising Storm is the tenth book. Okay. Uh, just McDermott Caribbean Adventure Series. Yeah. But, uh, charity, uh, I include the word charity in each title. Okay. It's yeah. Merciless charity. I mean, when you, when you think of charity, you think of giving, right? Mm-hmm. Then yeah. you have these words, merciless charity. Right, and yeah. Ruthless charity and reckless charity. And then yeah. finally, enduring charity. Kind of begs a question of, you know, right from the get-go. Yeah. And you're, it, you're curious. It's it, it's like jumbo shrimp, you know. They, they two words that don't go. Together. <laughs> but uh, and Denise, my, my daughter started me on that when she was like ten years old, or about eleven years old. She said, "Well, the next book has to have the word fallen in it, Dad." Because I I noticed it in your acknowledgments that you credit your your daughter frequently for ideas as well, or for uh, kind of sometimes even outlandish ideas that that percolate in your She's, brain and become. She's a, goofy, she's a goofy kid. Uh, yeah. we, we've got three other kids. Uh, they're all in their 30s. Okay. And we just got tired of waiting for grandkids, and so <laughs> we have Jordan. <laughs> Jordan is now 17 years old, and she runs my ship store. Okay. And she she makes these great glasses, mugs, and these T-shirts. Yeah, and, uh, fantastic. With the money she's made from that, she's been able to buy her own car. So... She's doing pretty well, but she keeps coming up with these ideas. And sometimes when she says something, it'll be just so deadpan and serious. Yeah. But it's like jumbo shrimp. Yeah. But, you know, she, she says something really weird. And something that just doesn't – and it's I always remember it. And I use it in stories, and she gives me ideas for stories. And uh, the whole idea of uh, uh, rising – Fury, yeah. The whole idea of Rising Fury came when we finally decided she was old enough to sit down and watch Breaking Bad. So we watched the entire Breaking Bad series. Oh gosh, yeah. And she's like, Dad, if he can cook meth on a, in an RV, couldn't somebody cook meth in a shrimp boat? <laughs> and sure enough, so that's that was the whole plot of the whole whole book, and that it worked out great. 
Yeah, well, that's fantastic. It's always good to have a little bit of help in the idea factory back home. And she did, yeah, she's done a great job on the swag. For those of you uh, who are going to be listening to the podcast, uh, Wayne's got his his own uh, T-shirt and, of course, his is it the the rusty anchor or is it was it's based off your uh, boat? His boat uh, is the rusty anchor. His name bar, is right? Rusty Anchor, but it's named after the fictional bar in my books, the Rusty Anchor Bar and Grill. Okay. And uh, it's a it's a place in Marathon in, in the Middle Keys that uh, only locals know about. There's no sign out front saying big arrows and yeah. lights pointing. Come this way. It's locals only. The only people there. Uh, I had a song written about it, and uh, Eric Stone, the songwriter, writes, uh, you, "You don't get there by accident, huh. and you have to know that it's there to find this place." I like that. As all the best, it's, the best place. It's the kind the of place I would have if I had a place in the Keys. Yeah, and um, I understand it's uh, Gaspar's Revenge. Is that the, is that Jesse's boat? That's, That's uh, Jesse's uh, primary fishing vessel. And uh, if you go to GasparsRevenge.com or RustyAnchorBar.com, you'll go to my daughter's ship store where you can buy these nice T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, well, that's really cool. We'll definitely have to. I'll post a link in the comments, and then uh, people can check out the the swag store. Um, and she comes. She comes in the office after school every day. Her school's just right across the street from the office, mm-hmm. and uh, she comes in every day for an hour or two and helps me do filing and you know clerical work and computer work because I'm not a computer person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to keep up with with uh, you know, all the all the technology as fast as it's moving these yeah. days, for sure. But yeah, so it sounds like you have quite the family business going on. Um, I see Jamie Albright's watching. Hi, Jamie, um, and uh, a couple of people watching. So um, thanks for saying hi. Um, anyone, if you do have questions, um, feel free to to pop them up, and we'll we'll try to see if uh, Wayne can answer those for you. Um, or if you're watching later in the replay, we'll we'll pop back on and, and try to get your comments or questions answered. Um, uh, since we are kind of on the topic of, of business a little bit, I would like to um, maybe chat a little bit about the business side of things. Because you, besides writing uh, a, a number of books in a short period of time, like you said, like when you wrote your first three books and then went back and wrote your, your prequel, which became your book one. I mean, that, that by itself is kind of an interesting move to decide to go back and write book one after having already had a book one, two, and three. Uh, what was kind of your mindset for shifting gears there and, and um, kind of restarting almost your series it was it was a way to cut down on email believe it or not okay Um, readers were emailing me asking questions about uh how jesse and rusty came to be best friends Mm. uh how did how did how did jesse end up with this beautiful boat Mm. how did this happen how did that i said okay okay I'll, i'll just write a little short book it was at the time it was 49,900 words. I had to add 100 words to make it a novel. Okay. And, uh, but it answered all those questions, and it spanned several years from Jesse's retirement in 1999 to Hurricane Woman 2005. Okay. And during that time, you know, it, it, it's kind of a sort of like a memoir, a fictional memoir, a memoir of a fictional character, I guess, maybe. Mm. But uh, since then, I've... Um, it's about to be re-released as a second edition, and now it's going to be over sixty thousand words and uh, quite a bit better written. I might add, mm. <laughs> and better edited. Yeah, well, that always changes over the years, you know, as we progress as writers, of course. But it was, yeah, it was just to answer questions that readers had about, and it didn't take. It only took four weeks to write and mm. put, uh, put everything together, and uh, I think uh, from April eighth. 
to May 30th to, to, to write and publish that one. Well, fantastic. And again, it was during a slow time in the trucking business, and I had a lot of free time. What sort of um, plotting method do you use as far as for your stories? Do you Are you an outliner, or do you just sort of um, go by senior pants? Uh, I get asked that a lot, and people ask me, um, they'll ask, you know, deep questions about, they've read the entire series, and, Wayne, what what happened to Jesse in Mogadishu? You, you keep referring to some incident in Mogadishu. What's going on? I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't made it up yet. Yeah. But I, I, I start a book out, I try to start each book out with a setting. Okay. And a very peaceful setting. And something that everybody can relate to, like uh, just standing at, on the edge of the shore and the water washing over your feet and how your feet kind of sink in as it washes back. Mm-hmm. And that's a familiar feeling to everybody. And so mm-hmm. if, you, if you can capture that, you get their attention right away. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm writing about the smell of rain. Rain, You knew mm-hmm. rain had a smell. Well, yeah. You smell it when it happens, but you can't describe it. Yeah. And so I'm trying to describe that and not doing very well. <laughs> But I'll, I'll open it with that, and then something will happen. Mm. And I, I don't know what it is that's going to happen or when it's going to happen, but I'll just keep writing that nice, serene setting until something happens. And it just happens in my mind just instantly, and then I type it, and there it is. There's the problem. Jesse, go fix it. Okay. And he gets in the boat and goes and fixes it. That's I don't, I like he doesn't it. always go where I tell it to. He, he goes... <laughs> Uh, in Fallen Hunter, he's supposed to go to Mexico and ended up in Cuba fighting uh, terrorists. <laughs> well, you know, it's an adventure for you as the writer, too, then, I guess. That makes it, yeah. Makes it I, I can't wait to write the end of the book to find out what happens. I did, I remember you um, at Nink. Of course, we were able to hang out at Nink a couple times. Um, and this most recent time, you, you mentioned during one of the, the nine hours, you talked about how Jesse has some particular habits. Like, for example, you make him stop and watch the sunset every night. Um, which I thought was interesting. What, what gave you the idea to sort of ground the character in, like, almost in particular days that way, like, throughout the series? Or what, where did that come from? It, it's just a, a, a habit that I had when I was living in the Keys. Hmm. Uh, every evening, if you're ever around the water, around a marina, my office is on the third floor above a marina. Mm-hmm. So every evening as the sun goes down right over there, the boaters, there's probably 20 or 30 liveaboards here, will blow their conch horns. Oh, cool. Just signifying the end of the day, and everybody sits around, you know, open a beer and just sit back and relax and watch the sunset. And it's always been a relaxing part of my day back back when I was living down in the Keys. And today, I don't have the greatest sunset in the world, but I'm on the third floor over a salt marsh, so it's pretty good. Yeah, not bad at all. And I kind of like that it has almost like a... um a resonance and almost like echoes sort of the, the military tradition as well of having uh, um, taps taps at the at the, at the end of the day. I'm, I'm at uh, I work at an airport, so but I'm right next to a Coast Guard station. So every night um, I get the the bugle going at around you know six o'clock or whatever you know they when the sun's going down and uh, when they go to bring down the flag. So I kind of get that at the end of the day every day for for me. So it is kind of a nice yeah. uh, almost symbolism that okay another day done and. Yeah, it's well, Paris Island is about eight miles that way. Okay. Anytime I need some motivation, I can just take a short drive, drive onto the base, park over by the parade deck, and watch these new recruits marching around, and turn around and watch the sunset over water. Yeah. And it it allows you to reflect on everything you've done that day, everything you've done that week, and uh, hmm. 
make, make plans to do it better next time. Besides the, uh, the ongoing writing, um, what else do you think has, been helped, has helped your particular career um, as a writer? Any, any steps that you have or things that kind of... Did you have a, a breakout hit within any of these stories or was it sort of a slow and steady journey? What was that like for you uh, business-wise? No, it's, it's, it's just been one, one after another and each one increasing on the popularity of the one before. Hmm. Uh, when I look at my, my graph on the book report, and I know exactly where all the releases are and all the book bub mm-hmm. uh, are. And I can see that steadily climb. And now when I release a new book, uh, the spike from that is bigger than anything book bub's ever done for me. Mm. It's, it's huge. And uh, I, I just rely more on my existing readers now than uh, I still gain new readers, but not, not like I used when. When I came out with the fourth book, the first mm-hmm. book suddenly started selling 50 or 60 a day. Okay. And, and now the first book just keeps plodding along at, you know, 20 or 30, uh, about 20 books a day probably. Hmm. And it's only priced at 99 cents. Back then it was two ninety nine. Yeah. But the, 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 the new books don't have the, the draw to the series that they had back when, when I first started. Right. Well, it's so, hard to jump into a book fourteen, you know, without yeah. It's yeah. yeah it, but the book fourteen jumps up there and it draws a little bit of attention, and people mm-hmm. see it and say, "Oh, this is the fourteenth book in the series. Mm-hmm. It's worth reading if he put that much time into it." Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they get book one. I noticed with your pricing structure is a little bit uh, unique. You go all the way from that ninety nine cent first book all the way up to uh, six ninety nine. I want to say for some of your other books, uh, and there's yeah. a, a variety in the middle. What, what's your current like pricing strategy? Your thought behind how you price your books? Well, the first three books are normally two ninety nine, or the first four. It's it's it changes constantly as the series gets longer. Uh, the fifth book in the series is three ninety nine, but soon it'll drop down to two ninety nine once the series gets long enough and these the backlist gets small enough. But then I have uh, three books at uh, four ninety nine, three at five ninety nine, and then the last four at six ninety nine. Do you see yourself um, continuing the series indefinitely, or do you have um, an urge to yeah. switch genres at all, or are you just going, you're just going to keep, no. keep going? Um, my favorite writer of all time is John D. McDonald, the Travis McGee series. Uh, he wrote uh, 23 or 21 novels in the Travis McGee series from 1964 to 1983, I think, when he died. Mm-hmm. And his books still rank well on Amazon, mm-hmm. all 21 of them. Yeah, and he never had an end in sight for Travis, mm-hmm. and there's a whole lot of Travis McGee in Jesse McDermott. Hmm. Okay, the, the name similarity there. Yeah, Travis McGee and Jesse McDermott. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't hide that fact. Uh, there's a lot of Doc Ford in, in Jesse. There's a mm-hmm. lot of uh, a lot of several characters. Uh, yeah, read books that I like to read. Yeah. Um. What are some ways that you're interacting with your readers? Like you said, that you you do focus on your current readers as your um, kind of your main, one of your main goals. Um, what are some things you're doing as far as interacting with your readers to keep that engagement and, and keep that relationship? I do uh, my newsletter is uh, I send out a newsletter twice a month. Okay. Some sometimes around the fifteenth, sometimes around the thirtieth, uh, sometimes I miss it a, a whole month. So. <laughs> It's not real. It's not real regular, but I try to do it twice a month, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, uh, getting them up to speed on what's what's going on in, in the book I'm writing, 
Uh, sometimes I'll ask for advice. Uh, one time Jesse bought a, an old uh, seaplane, uh, float plane, mm-hmm. and I wanted to come up with a really cool name. So I asked my, I asked my uh, newsletter subscribers, help me name this airplane. Give me your best shot. That's and fun. I've got over 5,000 subscribers, and so I got about 4,999 emails. <laughs> <laughs> and That's a lot so of I went through and started tallying everything up, and it became Island Hopper. Cool. And uh, so I just interacted with them, and just, just like I was writing a, an email to a friend, getting them up to speed on what's going on in my life. and. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe a picture of me out on the marsh fishing or something like that. But uh, just just try to uh, basically the same way I wrote uh, blue collar and no collar. Just like I was sitting on a bar stool, drinking a beer, and talking to somebody. Hmm. And uh, it, it seems to work real well. I have a, a pretty 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 solid engagement, uh, about sixty percent opening, and and I also include you know books that I've recently read in a little sidebar on the on the email and. I get generally about 30 to 35 percent click rate mm. on those books, and about 70 or 80 percent on my own books. But, uh, it's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. Same, yeah. Same thing on Facebook. Just, uh, just, just be a normal person, and somebody asks you a question, answer it. If somebody says something you don't agree with, keep the, and just keep quiet about it. <laughs> no sense in, no sense in getting angry about something. Yeah, wise words. Especially political debate. I, some of the politics that goes on on facebook it just yeah i'm like dude go fishing <laughs> it's, it's like, a yeah. lot more fun it's like you know shouting at the ocean it doesn't, doesn't really do much good for you, you it know, doesn't do any good yelling at the internet um <clears throat> that's you know wise wise advice just you know better better spent fishing that time um can you tell people a little bit about rising charity is, the, is rising charity out now or is it um an impending release what's the status on that it's on pre-order, okay. and uh, my, like I said, I just talked to my editor, and she wanted to go over a few things, and she just sent me the manuscript, so I'll be starting on that uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, it'll be on pre-order until February 10th, and then it'll be released on the 11th, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that everything goes right, and the paperback and the audio book will also be released on the same day. I think I finally, after 18 books, I think I finally figured out how long it takes ACX to get an audio book up. Yeah, that is that is like the golden egg. We're all trying to go it for that. It depends on what time of day and what day of the week it is that you submit it, because it varies. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very challenging to do. You get the trifecta, get everything out at once. But, um, well, that's fantastic. And, uh, Wayne, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and, and share some of your, your wisdom with us and uh, tell us a little bit about your series. It's, it's a whole lot of fun. And um, uh, I know I definitely want to go check out your newsletter at this point. But um, thank you so much for, for, for uh, joining us and, and being here to chat with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Nathan. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, thanks, for everyone, for uh, watching and listening. And we'll catch you again uh, next week for another great episode. So long.